Welcome to Go Home Heat, a sports entertainment podcast. This is your sarcasm. Sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm will help you podcast. We will be speaking about Raw this evening. It won't be a we. My man Justin can't be here today. So I will have to carry the flag of sarcasm myself. And I hope to do Justin proud by bringing sarcasm to its hilt. Because in order to watch Raw, one needs the gift of sarcasm. Also, one needs, and I've said this before, and I will remind you, generally speaking, it's okay to wait an hour and a half into Raw, start watching it on as in taping, whatever you call that nowadays, and then recording the episode and then catching up through fast-forwarding through commercials and replay segments and walking down that aisle. Because when you walk down that aisle, as Ric Flair said, anyway... What were, we're going to jumble around when we talk about this show today, guys. Let's start this discussion of Raw with the women's division because the way Raw has handled the women's division as of late, getting that out of the way early makes the most sense. They are doing a much better job of booking the Bobby Lashley storylines and they are doing a much better job of booking the mid-card division, which they don't do much booking with this particular episode other than to elevate some upper mid-card upper mid players into the prime slots. Eva Marie intros Dewdrop in a backstage segment. She discusses how... <laughs> I know a lot of people hate Eva Marie. Um, I was worried about where we were going with this, and I did find her entertaining here and in the match segment she has with Asuka and Naomi in a tag team match. She basically says, my debut was so important that I found a replacement. I had the sniffles and I could not wrestle. So I got my buddy here and then she acts as if she is making up the name of Dewdrop on the spot by golly. Dewdrop does not seem to be happy at all with said name. Who can blame her? <laughs> She's a fantastic, you know, performer from NXT UK and getting stuck with this moniker is a little, <laughs> it's exactly what it should be though. As we tell the story with the tag team match. Now, if one would like to say, why are Asuka and Naomi involved in introducing these two characters to the main roster? Well, I get that. And I would not begrudge you your emotions on this. However, Eva Marie, uh, throughout this match, Eva Marie doesn't want to tag in, which falls in line with the character she had when she, before she left WWE the first time in which she would go to the ring and have a wardrobe malfunction or something would always come up where she couldn't actually wrestle. So this would make sense that when she has this strong, powerful sidekick that the sidekick should do the work for. But quickly we get to this probably won't be the direction long-term. As in, Eva Marie Dewdrop absorbs punishment. She wrestles well. She kind of gets to showcase herself against two of your better WWE performers in Naomi and Asuka. Dewdrop <laughs> has got a shot at winning this thing. She's a little close to the corner. That's when Eva Marie finally tags herself in. 
Eva Marie is unable to put away her competition. She looks to make the tag. Storyline, Dewdrop walks away from her. And, of course, Eva Marie takes the pin in this first time she's been in the ring. That's great. It look, I would guess that Dewdrop doesn't have the name Dewdrop much longer. I would guess Eva Marie winds up moving on from Dewdrop as a sidekick and trying to find other talent to help her. It will be a challenge to seem refreshing over the weeks, having to kind of recreate your faction all the time, if that's the direction you're going here. But it is interesting in the at, at least, and we'll see where it goes. I, I don't like to totally quit on a program right before it starts. That said, moving on to the heavyweight title picture, we have Rhea Ripley in the ring and Sonya and Adam tell her that they have a problem with her purposely getting disqualified in the championship match at Money in the Bank, which seems a little silly because everybody tells me that Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. He used to get disqualified all the time so he didn't lose his belt. That was his thing. Every heel in the history of the biz has done this periodically. That's the thing. Rhea Ripley is being treated as some form of a Charlotte's, this program is just silly to begin with. But anyway, so Charlotte basically says, look, that's exactly what you should have done. You were getting whooped. You got yourself disqualified. Good call on your part. I'm going to get you anyway. Now I realize that we've entered a different different area of our rivalry where mentally you're not as far behind me as I thought. Physically, you've always been imposing. But I thought I had you. But I'll take my game to another level. Don't worry. We're going to kick this can down the road. We're going to get another match between the two of them for the belt. I think basically you had to do that until they figure out what they're going to do at SummerSlam. The match should be really good. They're both really good wrestlers. Um, Everybody's tired of Ripley and Charlotte. Everybody was tired of Charlotte the minute she walked out there the first time around. I get it. Hey, Charlotte's a really good wrestler. She's also plenty good enough to create. One thing they're not doing here is allowing talented wrestlers to create programs beneath the title picture. And we've quoted this before, and I don't know if it's been recent, where Triple H once was being interviewed about Kurt Angle, and he said, well, Kurt could be in an important program that didn't involve the belt. And those are the guys that are special. WWE doesn't really give their top-tier talent the chance to do that a whole lot. And I'm not talking about, you know, wrestle somebody below the belts, of course. But when when they do wrestle people below the belt, it tends to be... How do I put this? It tends to be still about the title. I'm wrestling you because I want to get to the title. Not I'm wrestling you because, you know, I hate your guts or whatever. Unless the title's involved, and then they try to have it, I hate your guts while the title's involved. Unless, of course, as we move away from the heavyweight title picture, you have supernatural powers, in which case you get your own program anytime you want. Alexa Bliss happens to have supernatural powers. (laughs) Which leads us to the other story on this show about the women's division, in which we have... Alexa Bliss come to the ring and we know she'll be wrestling Nia Jax 
and Shayna Baszler. She's been in this weird program with them from the start. It makes sense. She's had issues with Nia for, for ever since they quit being best friends. She has uh, possessed Reginald and Nia Jax on occasion here recently, like quite literally possessed. And um, <laughs> also Baszler's having trouble whenever she makes eye contact with her in the ring. She can't actually continue to fight her well. Oh, boy. And I understand why y'all hate this program. But this is something that they like and that they're diving into and they're giving Bliss a chance to do. So then to further infuriate the universe, as in the WWE universe, <laughs> Nikki Cross comes dressed out like a butterfly superhero and says, I have always wanted to do this. I want to be there for the children. I want to be that light at the end of the tunnel that people can aspire to. I want to shine and have people see something that is good about humanity. So I'm going to dress in a blue and gold superhero outfit complete with cape and mask in between my eyes is a butterfly. And man, did Twitter hate that. <laughs> it is so... Nikki, if Nikki's telling the truth, and so far we don't have any reason to think she's not, that she came up with this character and she's wanted to do it for a while and they finally have let her and you know, she's on the heels of a couple of victories, although they were complete, complete horse pucky victories. And in fact, she got like, uh, y'all watch the show. Y'all know how stupid that was. If this is, in fact, a vision of hers, man, y'all's reaction to this woman <laughs> had to frustrate her. Because then she goes to Twitter and she's like, no, really. <laughs> she said it different, but no, really, this is my idea. This is really what I want to be doing. Nobody's believing it. Everybody thinks it's the, it's the hand of Vince McMahon who has decided. Now, understand, too, when's the last time Vince put a character out there did anybody think her, the hurricane was Vince's idea? <laughs> I mean, I don't know whose idea it was. I guess I, I should look that up. It might have been Russo's or somebody. But I don't think that that was Vince's idea. But that being said, I want to say this match was pretty good. I The, the, the weird Alexa Bliss stuff where she kind of would get inside Reggie's head or, or Nia's head or Shane would have to back away from her. I kind of that's that's fine I, you know that it is what we're doing right now so what am i gonna say about it i don't hate it i get that most of y'all do i want to focus on the fact that nikki was fantastic in the ring during this match she was fast she chained all of her moves together whenever she was hit she even she immediately popped back up came right back at whoever whoever was whether it was naya or whether it was Sonya, who had she winds up due to the weirdness going on outside of the ring. Uh, Shayna Baszler gets distracted and she gets to win here on her. As, of course, as we know, here's what we know about this part of the women's division Nia Jax is susceptible to Alexa Bliss possessing her, getting into her head, and forcing her to do things against her will if she can make eye contact with her. Reginald is likewise. Shayna has to back away from Alexa when she makes eye contact with her. 
Shayna is incapable of getting out of a roll-up no matter who puts her in a roll-up. To Shayna's defense, in this particular match, Nikki did uh, chain move and pin her into a roll-up that made sense that it would be hard to kick out of instead of the obligatory every week. I just caught her looking in the wrong direction and boom, she loses the match. I, I don't know. <laughs> this is a whole lot, but I will say this. If Nikki is allowed to wrestle in this manner, I'm almost willing to put up with anything. And if this is exactly what she wants to be doing, I'm willing to give her a chance because I love Nikki Cross. She's a fantastic person and she is a great wrestler. And it is not lost on me how completely different uber babyface wearing a cape superhero who isn't really um, a Hurricane Helms style of thing but actually in a competitive way where she could win I don't you know it's completely different from anything else so I'm willing to hang with it because I want to see Nikki wrestle like this so however she's dressed doesn't bother me as much as watching her get to be uh, a phenomenal wrestler instead of uh, a character who is just out there trying to be crazy makes me happy. Now I would guess that next week Justin will say, Kevin, what kind of idiot sandwich are they trying to serve me? <laughs> hey, I get that side of it too, guys. It's it's this the the way they've been. The problem isn't necessarily what they're doing currently in the women's division. The co- the problem is a, a extended track record of not doing it correctly on this show. So when you see things and you go, well, let's just see where it goes. It feels disingenuous for me to tell you, let's see where it goes when they don't tend to hit home runs in this division on things. Ripley, I thought, was the perfect person to take over this division. And it just hasn't materialized into what I had hoped yet. And I thought Charlotte was the right one for her to feud with right out the chute. Um, I think maybe putting uh, Asuka and Nikki into the orbit of all of this in order to be enhancement talent for them maybe rubbed me the wrong way and that's why the program in general has got me frustrated and I honestly thought that the Alexa thing would, would have grasped me a little better by now post The Fiend leaving alright let's dive into some stuff I liked I liked the way they booked the men's division and I liked what they did here today or Monday night on Raw, as far as that was concerned, we had a, we had a mini tournament of sorts to decide who would be in the Money in the Bank uh, match. The qualifiers would be Morrison versus Orton, AJ versus Ricochet, Riddle versus Drew. I 100% would assume the way the last six months have gone, Orton, AJ, Drew would all be in the Money in the Bank. But when you look at this, the people that are more interesting in a Money in the Bank ladder match, because it is a ladder match, are Morrison, Ricochet, and Riddle. So it's, do you want the big stars or 
I guess if you're the WWE, will the fact that it's a, a ladder match and that the winner gets this championship opportunity whenever they want sell the pay-per-view so let's give some other guys a chance to shine be the selling point and they went with the ladder they went with ha, the ladder <laughs> as in the second thing you get it guys instead of the ladder as in the ladder match whatever all right Miz on commentary for Morrison I mean yeah for Morrison and Orton he's obviously hurt he talks about how it's time it's it's Morrison's time to shine finally if only the gods heard that from your lips to God's ears, Miz. And it's a fantastic match. Obviously, you have two of your better work. It's not fantastic. It's, it's a short match. But it's well done. Morrison's fantastic. Orton's very good at his job. Uh, Orton's got the shot there where he's going he's gonna to put away Morrison. And Miz hits him with the drip shot, which is not as awful as it sounds. It's just like a little water gun squirt thing he hits him with. Orton gets furious, Riddle skates down and distracts everybody by riding around in his little push scooter thingy, chasing, it, it is a high speed, if you take away the speed part, chase of Riddle in the Miz. <laughs> and that distracts Orton, who's furious, I think that Riddle got involved with any of this at all. And that's when Morrison does the grab him out of the back of the head, pull him down onto the ropes. He flips over flat, and we get the John Morrison Starship paint. And I want to say, <coughs> John would know the like why he's hitting the Starship paint better than I've ever seen him hit it before. It looks as if he's taking time in the springboard portion of it and concentrating on the spin, but he has been nailing this thing. And it actually, it's always been a beautiful move. It never looked really impactful. So it was the kind of thing where you just kind of go with it because it's really hard to see somebody do that style of a gymnastic move, bouncing off of a wrestling rope. But for him to turn it into something here, this late in his career, that it does actually look like there's impact at the bottom of it. He's hitting it better than he ever has. He's hitting it cleaner than he ever has. And it's neat because... Morrison, as a human, has always battled gravity in a way that other people can't. It doesn't affect him like it does other people. Even really great aerial artists aren't quite Jim Morrison. And here we are, this late into his career, and he is still coming up with new moves. He is still coming up with ways to be better and different than other people that utilize the ropes and the aerial tactics. And it just kudos to that guy for remaining the very, very best at what he does. So he's in. AJ Ricochet, another another guy that gravity doesn't affect. And man, I'll tell you what, if you're a wrestling fan, go back and watch Morrison versus Prince Puma. Prince Puma or Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma. Prince Puma is Ricochet with a mask on in um, Lucha Underground. And those two guys, I recommend watching every season of Lucha Underground. It is probably my favorite wrestling show since 2000. If you just, all the seasons together combined, I, I loved it. I was heartbroken when it went away. Um, it's campy. It's everything that I just love about pro wrestling, along with great wrestling. The only thing that I would like do differently is 
that you know nothing's really a finisher, that kind of thing, which I which can frustrate me as a fan. However, it is so over the top. Obviously, a television show camp that I'm willing to go with it because you know you have supernatural stuff and all that. So I get it. Guy gets hit with a chair and he kicks out. Well, that drives me crazy, right? Well, also somebody arose from the dead. So what am I going to say? Which I guess you could say that too. But we'll, we'll move on. AJ Ricochet have a good match. Ricochet has begun to put in his move set or utilize. They've probably always been there. A lot of the more physical moves, a lot of the more amateur wrestling style moves, it's giving his character a toughness and a different dynamic. And he found it a little bit to me in these matches with Sheamus. He utilized them here as well. We have this obligatory nobody's allowed to lose clean in this company. And so, the and they're also trying to tell a tag team wrestling story as well. AJ had shot his mouth off to the Viking Viking Raiders, <laughs> the Viking Raider experience backstage, and of course they come running down during the match and attack almost to make sure that he wasn't really interfering with the match. I don't know what they're making sure, of, but AJ slapped a turkey out of old boy's mouth, and therefore it made sense to run down and whatever. It's the WWE world. Almost gets run through, almost tries to run them over. He goes through the barricade. AJ's distracted, He go, but he still goes for the phenomenal elbow. Ricochet catches him with a half code breaker, which I don't know what Ricochet's calling it, but it's half a code breaker. One knee under the chin as he falls back on his back to the person diving. Boom, one, two, three. Beautiful ending. Well done. I'd have preferred the interference not be there, which, but whatever. And Ricochet goes over. Ricochet ladder match. I remember like it was yesterday. My son and I going to see NXT TakeOver. Ricochet coming out. And I was like, dude, that's Prince. Because I, but my son at that time was very young. And I'm like, dude, that's the guy I used to show you. That's Prince Puma. Watch this. And he's on a ladder. And, you know, he had not really wrestled in NXT before. Uh, much before. Anyway. And he's on a ladder and they lift one side of the ladder from in the ring and it's like they're going to tip it over and his character is at towards the top of the ladder and he realizes he's going off anyway and he does a like a somersault off of it backwards into a pile of people and i was like man this kid is a freaking star and he is a star he really is he just for whatever reason it hasn't he has wrestled against Brock Lesnar for the championship. He has had moments in the WWE. He has yet to get over in a way that there's always this hope when a young shooting star like a Ricochet comes across the sky that he will be treated like AJ Styles was treated in TNA as a young wrestler, right? Uh, like, I'm trying to think of another example. Like Darby's being treated currently in AEW. But the WWE is so loaded with established talent that very seldom does a guy get to, unless you go into, like he got treated like that in NXT because they don't have that stockpile of established talent that you have to get through. And that's a beautiful thing about what they did in this show is you did put Ricochet, Riddle, ahead of Drew, and AJ, even if just for one month, to see if they can do it. They're also doing it with Woods, who's been here for a long time. He's been in the tag division a long time, and we'll get to that in a second. 
So AJ goes over. Riddle and Drew have a match. Hey, fantastic. Kudos to Drew. I, I can be critical of that dude. Kudos to that guy, though. He is a great pro wrestler. He is adding things to his moveset. The Mikinoshi driver he's put into his moveset is... It looks completely different than 100% of the... Hundred percent of the Falcon arrows you see in the world. He is a huge, strong man, and when he sits down on that thing and slams that dude's shoulders into the mat, it is not. Oh, that's a pretty cool move. Everybody else does. It is wow. He hurt that guy. Wow, he hurt that guy. But Drew loses clean here to Riddle, and I was stunned. But you you had the excuse that he's been through these. You know, the Hell in the Cell match the night before. So it was kind of okay for the character. I guess that was their excuse. I, I just, they never booked Drew to lose clean. So I was stunned that it happened. But I think it's good for the show. I think it's good for the the fan base, which unless you are just really a Drew McIntyre guy, you, you, you're kind of like, wow, 26 months in the main event picture is kind of tough. And like harken back to what we talked about earlier where Triple H said, you know, Angle could do things without the belt, and that made him special. It, maybe it's time for Drew to prove he can do that. Maybe it's time for him to get into something with somebody that has nothing to do with the belt, and it be a program over a month. He's a big enough star, it should matter. He should be able to do what Seth does, which is get into feuds which have nothing to do with the with the belt and help build these stars win or lose he's been booked like thor for the last two years utilize what you've done and let him create people for you and then you know he, he he's not out of the title picture even if he goes a year without wrestling for the title he's not out of the picture because he's huge strong athletic he'll always be in the title picture if he wants to be and if you want him to be, he'll always be a legitimate title holder. So, moving on, we'll cover the rest of the mid-card-ish picture. In a segment backstage, you have Cedric, Alexander, Jeff Hardy, Sheamus, Jinder Mahal, and the rest of his faction talking to Pierce and Sonya. They're very upset that they weren't allowed a shot. You know, Jinder is like, hey, I'm a former world champ. This doesn't make any sense at all. Once Jeff hears that, he's like, well, you know, I'm a world champ too. And Cedric's like, well, maybe you need to quit giving guys like Drew 18,000 opportunities and give a guy like me the opportunity, to which Jeff counters quite effectively. Dude, I beat you two weeks in a row. They go back and forth. The kicker here is, though, of course, Sheamus is like, well, I'm a champion. I should have been in anyway. And they're like, well, then you're ready to perform, right? And he's like, well, my nose is broke. My nose is broke because he's been avoiding competition. Uh, All this was good. The kicker here, the key here, is Gender says, if one of these guys isn't able to perform, consider me for the alternate slot. Making you think that at some point, Gender's going to jump one of these qualifiers. I hope not, because I really like the guys who we put in this match. Now, moving on to the heavyweight title picture. We open the show, MVP Lounge. Same thing it's always going to be. Nothing wrong with that. It just is. New Day comes down. They're ready to make a toast. In true New Day style, instead of pancakes, they actually have toast. They throw the toast down. Kofi runs down Bobby. Uh, Bobby fires back a little bit. 
we wind up with Kofi getting this Money in the Bank championship match, which is not, it won't be a lot of match. It's just a championship match with Bobby at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view to which Bobby Bobby's manager points out, this needs to be one-on-one though. So we're going to, we're going to wrestle Xavier tonight and take care of him. So he won't be there for you to help you at the pay-per-view. Woods accepts, but who knew they had not taken down the hell in the cell from above the stage, from above the ring. So now we're going to have a money in the bank match on Monday night. So we had a money in the bank match Friday night between Roman and Mysterio two on Sunday night, one on Monday night. So if you're thinking that money in the banks are still a rarity, which you are not because I watch, I read Twitter and people think, what are we doing? Having hell in cells all the time. I'm with you guys. Hell cell match needs to be the kind of thing that you can do. It can't just be a pay-per-view. You can't, it doesn't finish rivalries anymore. It doesn't, it, at, at least you should make it the kind of pay-per-view where you say um, you don't announce when it is because there's you need to be able to build it at random times to a Hell in a Cell match. Honestly, it doesn't need to be a pay-per-view. I don't think anybody outside of the WWE thinks it needs to be a pay-per-view. Um, I get that it probably is a good seller for the network that it is centered around that way, kind of like Lockdown is for... <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Obviously, lockdown for impact doesn't do the numbers that Hell in a Cell does, but you get my point. A Hell in a Cell match is supposed to settle a rivalry. It should be every now and then when two guys have been killing each other. And I'm not going to say that it didn't fit the two matches they had in it. I will say Bianca and Bailey are going to wrestle again soon and drew and bobby fantastic finish great rivalry seems to be over for a little bit it worked there i guess could have done it a month earlier wouldn't have hurt a thing would have been awesome if you would have done it at wrestlemania hell and cell match at wrestlemania would have been off the chain would have been perfect way to end this rivalry would have done everybody a favor now back to this though because what's important here Storyline wise, Xavier Woods has been auditioning for a main event slot for a while now, guys. He is getting these matches kind of like Jay Uso was getting on the other show where he was main event Uso. All of a sudden, you're realizing, man, Xavier Woods is just off the chain as a pro wrestler, and he absolutely is. He gets wrestling and storytelling and every aspect of it in ways other people just don't. Part of it is the dude is smart. And not that wrestlers aren't smart, but he's smart in a way that I was listening to a podcast and this is off. Bear with me for a second. I'm listening to a podcast and Andre 3000 says, one thing I would recommend for young artists is to listen to other genres. Xavier Woods has up, up, down, down. Xavier Woods reads Xavier Woods takes in all forms of content and he sees things through the prism of pro wrestling so he can take that other content and utilize it in his storylines and say hey I can take this idea and move it over here and make it work in a wrestling ring 
that I saw in this game or on this movie or or over here. Or I can take this character and the way they react to adversity and I can take that and implement it in a ring or promo format. And it's an, it's an amazing thing to watch a, a guy do and to to think that we are this late in Apollo Creed uh, when he was Creed <laughs> Consequences Creed or whatever that he's been this long in the game and hasn't had that big singles run is crazy now he's been stuck in this faction and it took him a while to get Big E out of it but Big E wasn't I mean you know Woods had a long career before he ever got with Big E and Kofi you know, even though I think the whole concept was his idea originally, they got sort of bastardized by Vince and then eventually came back into something else none of them had thought it could be. And it becomes, you know, probably the most successful. Since how the Shield was only a short run uh, and the Usos was a two-man team, this is probably the most successful faction in WWE since, you know, since the glory years of DX and all that. Maybe Evolution. Uh, a long, much longer run than Evolution, though but without the world titles. Um, so Woods getting this opportunity with Lashley was fantastic. And then he hits a home run. I mean, the the elbow he gives to Lashley on the table, incredible. So what we've done, and, you know, Bubba Ray says on Busted Open all the time, you know, you don't have to go over to get over. And Woods has done that time and again. Same thing happened with main event Uso. He didn't have to go over to get over. What he did was he showed you what a performer he is. It's not lost on me that Woods and the Usos and Kofi and Big E were all in the ring together a lot over the last decade. And here they are, all are as singles competitors once you've seen Jimmy do it here a couple weeks in a row. And they're all doing the same thing, excelling at such a high level. You know, that <clears throat> it's amazing to watch. Same thing. The other side of that is you fast forward a couple of years, will they all be doing what Moxley and Seth and Roman are doing now? That what a lot of what Mox, Seth, and Roman are doing is a storytelling aspect, not what these guys are doing right now, which is the in-ring banging it out aspect. Now, let's go on because the story winds up being, of course, the point of this match is for Bobby to eventually he's been hurt he's been dealing with the fact that he had a very brutal match the night before woods takes him to the limit eventually he gets him in the hurt lock puts him down doesn't give up the hold kofi gets locked out he can't protect him woods is hurt woods might be written off tv for a couple of weeks till money in the bank is over might not but we're not going to have xavier able to help Kofi against Lashley. I like it. Hopefully, I don't know if Kofi wins, but I would love for this to wind up being the kind of thing where Kofi gets to turn this into Kofi versus some way this turns into Kofi versus Lashley at SummerSlam as well. I would love a summer of Kofi. I have this itchy feeling that Brock's coming back and that means Brock's going to fight Lashley at SummerSlam, which is fine. It's just, I love Kofi, and I would love this to be able to go further. But that being said, that is my review of Monday Night Raw. It was, man, they really did a good job 
with the mid card and pushing what looks to be a new level. This could be a watershed moment, guys, for Raw. Because you've pushed a group of guys into that upper echelon now. You've broken that glass ceiling. So what are we going to do? Have a draft and move them to a different show, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, for me, KP, Missing Justin, this has been a Go Home Heat production, copyright 2021. Check out our friends at The Gin Project. They got big things popping over there. And go home. Uh, was that an MVP? Big things popping, little things stopping. That was an MVP quote. I like it.